0: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by returning guest, Stephen Chenault of Troll Lord Games. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Love being on. It's it's great to have you on here again. And I wanted to talk about something a little bit. You've you've written quite a few adventures and you've, you have a GM style and an adventure style that I think is, pre- I've played in at least one of your games and I was curious to get some perhaps uh, suggestions on writing and running games and maybe some insight from you on that kind of thing. Our listeners might be able to perhaps take, perhaps you have some uh, advice for them. <laughs> or me. That, that sounds wonderful. Hopefully I can help a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, your, your lore, like you have, is it called the Andanoff? Is that what it was called?
1: So there's the Codex of Erd that has the andouth in it, the Andanuth in it, and then we've published the Andanuth as a separate book as well. so that's mm-hmm. so just for those who don't know Erd is our de facto house world for castles and Crusades uh, and the Andanuth is the story of Erd
0: essentially. and you've written out like the entire history of this world in that book and it's that the the actual andouth itself is a really it's a nice it's a pretty book. It's nice. It's not, it's not like your regular gaming book. It's a, it's a slightly smaller format. It's more of a sit down and read style of book.
1: Yeah, we did that one as uh, you can, it's in the Codex of Error, but it's also in a book just called The Andanuth, and it's, I think it's 220 pages. It's a novel. I mean, it's essentially a novel that takes you from the world's uh, you know the the first thought, the first inception that the Allfather had, uh, all the way up until the playable point where you you as a player jump into the world and start, you know, causing mayhem.
0: So when you're sitting down, when you were sitting down to write all that history, was this coming from somewhere that you had already run some of this? Was it? I'm curious to where a lot of this came from, and and uh, how 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 did you approach that?
1: It's kind of from three different directions that. Uh, the, the world of air came together. The first the one, I'm a heavy reader of science fiction and fantasy, and I'm an absolutely huge fan of the Silmarillion. Uh, so that's always been kind of rolling. And I'm, for those of you who don't know, I've, I was working on my PhD in history, so I've got this huge background in history. So uh, all of that kind of in, in column A, but when uh, we I started running the crew that I'm still running now back in like 1984, I think, uh, and we began running games in Greyhawk uh, we ran these games forever and a day. When the Gulf War broke out, I joined the Army, and this was the first Gulf War. We didn't know how anything was going to play out. I uh, didn't know if I was coming home or any of that stuff. So we, we kind of ended the game just, just you know, in case. Yeah. Uh, well, I ended up being stationed in Hawaii. The war ended very, very quickly. The first Gulf War ended very quickly, and I ended up in Hawaii. Uh, and as a combat signaler, I didn't have a lot to do. You know, that's kind of a forward unit. Yeah. <laughs> Not much to do. So I ended up sitting around in my office and I wrote this novel. I honestly can't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, And it had this figure in it who was slowly seduced by these evil spirits. And then simultaneously, I began rebuilding the the game that we had run forever in a day in Greyhawk. But I was at that point, I'm beginning. I'm taking these novel ideas and this and the campaign ideas, because when we ended the game, it ended on kind of a an interesting note that the dark god Unklar had come to the plane and conquered the world. So the world's, it's over, right? So I started writing everybody these letters, all the gamers, these letters from Hawaii uh, explaining what happens, what's going to happen, what's happened to their character, where they are. And I, I fast forwarded time a thousand years and began rebuilding the world the way I wanted it to do. And one of the, and I'm a huge Greyhawk fan, but one of the things that and I don't know if any settings really address this because I haven't looked at many beyond Forgotten Realms and and Greyhawk. When you're running games and I know you know this and you've got a player who's got a elf who's 1200 years old, <laughs> presumably they would know something, you know, that happened <laughs> previously you know, in the past, you know. But if you don't have some kind of monogam of information, then you're just spitballing stuff and it, it becomes a bit cat. So that was one of the the thought processes that was in my head with my passion of history. So I began kind of putting this world together and t- together in these letters that I was writing and whatnot. Got into the army, go to school. My intent at the time was to become a professor. So I started working my master's degree in history and began building the world. We started playing again and I began building the world off of that. I mean, I really began shaping everything out based around their characters. Uh, and just developing in that direction. And the players had a huge amount of input, too, because things that they would do would impact the world, change this, change that, whatever. And then when we launched trollord Games, I never—I finished the novel, but I never submitted it or anything. So the novel is this kind of core of, of what Unklar is and the Horned God and all of that stuff. Uh, the the game itself became a huge part of it. History, my in, in, info and in history, our interest in his, history became a huge part of it. So once we launched the company, we needed, we had three books done, three adventures done. They were going to give us a huge, the printer's going to give us a huge discount if we had a fourth. Well, Mac was in law school, Davis was out West and Mac, I didn't want to write another adventure. Mac was like, dude, put, put the world of air together, get your notes together, put, put that together, just base it off of the old Greyhawk folio," And that's what I did. So I took my notes, put it together. And now we we've, we've got this world Once that was released, it sold so very, very well. Then I felt really fired up to sit down and take the mythos that I had been developing and write it all out. I spent about a year and a half and that's where the Andenuth comes in. And I I, I thought to myself, I want to do what a good history book does. I want to start at the beginning and arrive at where we are now, not do just snippets of stuff. So it ended up to be this, it's 150,000 word story of, The world of Aerd, and if you have an elf that's twelve hundred years old, you know where he was born and what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I ran, I I ran an elf in the world of Aerd, believe it or not. (laughs) I I got a chance to play. Her name was Idril. (laughs)
1: Excellent. There you go, and and you got your background and dwarves too, and all of them, and it gives you context because you know a lot of some players don't care, and that's wonderful, but some really want that context for their characters. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. and, and and it should be there when they when they want it. So that was a huge motivation.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So uh, now uh, I'm, I'm curious, is there a chance we'll ever see that novel maybe cleaned up, reworked and released?
1: Yes. So that actually the codex of air is about to be sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's becoming an ever growing concern of mine because it's a huge staple in the, in the mailroom, in the, in the, in the TLG stables. It's a huge part of it, but um so we're going to, we're going to re-release the Codex of aired as is that mm-hmm. has been determined in the multiple product meetings, but we're also going to release the Andenuth as a novel, in novel format, again, cleaned up the whole nine yards, uh, and because it's going to tie into, I'm doing fiction now for aired
0: mm-hmm. and it'll it won't tie into the
1: fiction, but it'll be part of that background if you want more aired you know, reading the fiction, so yeah, and we're going to do, no one in the crew agrees with me, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to do the trail, the trail guide to Eric, which will be a soft cover book, probably 70, 80, 90 pages. It gives people a very quick introduction oh. to the world of Eric, because the Andanuth, if you pick that Andenuth up first, if you pick the Codex of Aaron up first, it can be a little bit it's a lot. daunting. It's a lot.
0: <laughs> a lot.
1: It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of lore and info.
0: It is a lot of info, a lot, a
1: lot. real quick. <laughs> yes yes page one
0: <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit like reading the bible it, uh, it, it seriously is
1: it's the silmarillion it is it's it gets you all and one of the things we're going to do in the third third printing of the codex of air is i'm going to take the andanuth and put it in the back of the book so when you open the book up it'll just be the setting beginning here <laughs> you know, a little bit easier to swallow but the trail the trail guide i want to have just quick info, so that people can dive into it really, really fast. Without it, because some people don't care about the lore, and that's wonderful too. Um, however, you want a game, I just want this material to be as accessible as as humanly possible, and not slow anyone's game down. That's yeah. that's the key. Excellent.
0: Excellent. So, I've got a question. Um, I'm curious if you could give any good, um, advice on running games and maybe tell a bit about how you approach running your games and, uh, cause you tend to have a slightly more narrative focus in a lot of the stuff you write and do that I've noticed.
1: Yeah, I try. I think that one of the things I encourage people to do when they, when they sit down behind the screens and start running, one of the things you got to keep in mind is, And I don't want to say it's about the players, but you can't forget the players. Mm -hmm. I've sat on countless games and I've seen countless games where a GM or GM or CK will sit there and for the first 45 minutes talk about lore, Mm -hmm. world history, setup, and all of that stuff. And you really don't want to do that. What I try to do when I start a game is I try to do a two or three minute quick introduction I don't worry about any background. I don't worry about any epic things. I don't worry about anything like that. It's all in my head, yeah. but I don't worry about any of it. I just, you know, okay, you're, you're at that small roadside, you know, tavern, whatever you want it is trading post. And you guys are purchasing this and I'll do a quick description of the train around. I try not to spend more than two or three minutes, uh, but I use th- things that I try to do in those two or three minutes is bring in smell and and sight and hearing and try to do something that's, people can relate to. Like right now I've got rain falling. Everyone's heard, well, most people have heard the rainfall. I don't say everyone, but surely. (laughs) So you can describe that and you can describe, you know, the rich smell of the leaves or what have you, just so that your players will kind of zero in on the game. Mm -hmm. They'll feel like they're somewhere that they're familiar with that They've been to the sound of a babbling brook, whatever it is, laughter in a tavern, anything just to kind of cue them in. And then I immediately turn it over to the players and ask them to describe their characters. Some people don't like that and I don't push it. If they don't want to describe their character, you know, just move on. It's it's fine. But some people really love to, and this immediately engages the players into the game that you're playing. Uh, and then you can kind of and then what I do after that, once the game starts, all these this crap that's in my head, you know, that, that I want yeah. to have I start eking it out <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> so I think it's very easy for DMs to forget, for GMs to forget that players they have a completely different you know view of the game they have to stay alive you've got all these cool things going on but <laughs> the primary thing is they have to survive the orc battle before
0: you know, yeah. they can enjoy
1: the epic thing. so yeah i try to i, I try to do that i try to tone that down a little bit and eke it out slowly over time
0: yeah i've got all these grandiose ideas and excited like epic stuff in my mind when i'm gming but the way that it happens is got to, uh, and what I run is got to slowly trickle out. And it can't just, I want the characters to be interested. So I'm going to kind of follow their, throw out some seeds and follow what they follow and reveal that way. So that when it comes out, it's not like, hey, and guess what? And they don't care but they're actively seeking it at that point is kind of what I'm yeah, trying to trying to bait the hook.
1: Exactly. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, that's really, that's a great way to do it because, and as you know, the other side is that if you give them all this info up front, they won't start doing weird stuff. And it's, and that info is going to become irrelevant or not usable anymore. Yeah. But if you haven't deployed it all yet and they do something weird or odd, or they go down the left quarter when they should have gone down the right, you can kind of maneuver your information. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, so you, you, yeah, it would, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Slowly bait the hook, slowly without them knowing the hook's been baited.
0: And, and, well, in doing that, when I bait that in the way I run, this is usually a longer campaign. And I've got this thing where it's like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm doing this. I got this. It's like, and I want to talk about it and I want to tell people about it, but I can't say anything. I got to keep my mouth shut and keep all the anticipation (laughs) to myself for weeks and months. And I've got sometimes a year. that's the hard part
1: (laughs) and it gets worse then too if you and this is where I fall. and here's another piece of advice make notes because i don't make detailed notes enough and then six months later i'll be going wait a minute wait a minute i was going to do something here
0: (laughs) even when i do take notes i don't think they're as in-depth as i need them to be sometimes i'm more focused on what's going on at the table than the note taking
1: (laughs) yeah me too and my i can't write my legibility it just i
0: can't read half of what i I'm don't know what this is <laughs> oh, i know all about that <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it's very frustrating
0: <laughs> yeah I, I have terrible penmanship <laughs> oh mine's
1: horrible it's horrible absolutely horrible
0: now i'm gonna touch on one more thing because we're going to be coming up close on time here soon but when it comes to descriptions and, and and things along those lines y'all have do you still have that in print that there's a thesaurus in a dictionary yes. that you all have specifically for writing fantasy adventures and things like that.
1: Yes. The storyteller's thesaurus and the storyteller's dictionaries, absolutely chock full of information. Uh, and when you're writing stuff um, and, th- and here's another, I use this example all the time when you're writing, try to be specific. Uh, and even when you're describing a table, uh, describing a table, whether you're writing or describing whatever it is you're doing, try to use specific things that people can, can latch onto like a, a live Oak tree.
0: Mm-hmm. So, a mm-hmm. live oak
1: tree is this type of breed. I don't, I don't, I'm not a tree guy. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you say live oak tree, it makes people think of a tree immediately and experiences that they've had and they can kind of zero in it. But if you just say tree, you know, it's just a generic term in, you know, our vocabulary. Yeah. And that's what the dictionary and the thesaurus are really designed to do to kind of help flood your language a little bit with those just key words to make people zero in on what you're talking about. I mean, it's like if you say tank, people just think tank. But if you say an Abrams tank, they think, oh, wait a minute, an American tank, Abrams, whatever. It just helps them kind of focus in on, you know, sword or broadsword, sword. Uh, and that's what those two books are specifically designed to take. Excellent. Uh, strongly cool. yeah. recommend. They're good books.
0: I, I recommend them. I've used them a lot in the past. Uh, I, I definitely pull them out. I don't think... Yeah, they are. They're actually... I, th- I thought I had put them with my uh, writing books, but they're actually with my Troll Lord books over there, yeah. <laughs> and the regular yeah. game books. <laughs> well,
1: the thing about it, the stars, I think it's one of the, the the tools that both we as GMs and as writers forget. It, it, we need multiple words for the same thing. You, the dungeon is dark. We got it. But you need more language so you're not just saying... The dark corridor, the dark room. You know, it gets after a while, the reader or the players, they're not hearing it anymore. It's the same language over and over again. So you kind of got to, Thesaurus, a crazy important book.
0: Yeah, the word I need to start finding some alternatives for is change and changing, getting away from is mildew. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, there are some you run into. There's just no other words. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, we're about out of time. I want to thank you for coming back on. Could you tell the listeners where they can find y'all online?
1: Absolutely. You can find us on www.troller.com. And from there, you should be able to launch off to all of our social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And I've got personal accounts like Shaw on Facebook. So once you go to the Troller stuff, don't hesitate to send me a friend request. Uh, I'll accept it in a heartbeat and, and we can chit chat. Wherever the social media is at the moment, <laughs> I wander from one to one. So. <laughs> <laughs> excellent.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. If you've enjoyed what you've heard of today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. and and com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We can really use the support, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.